Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Next Best Series, part of the Next Best Picture podcast on nextbestpicture.com, where we chat about television, not so much film. And it's definitely a change of pace for us right now because we have not exactly gone back and looked at any kind of a particular television show in quite some time since season seven of Game of Thrones came off the air last summer. So here we are now, a year later. And we've had plenty of opportunities to talk about other shows in the meantime. We just haven't found the right one. And the right one kind of presented itself to us in a unique format. Only eight episodes as a miniseries. And we figured instead of doing a weekly segment where we talk about each individual episode, we're going to give you two episode breakdowns of HBO's new miniseries, Sharp Objects. So today we're going to be discussing the first four episodes, and then at some point when the series ends, we will be returning with the final four episodes and our overall thoughts on how the miniseries went. Joining me for this breakdown of the first four episodes, I have Michael Schwartz. What happened to Princess Gazelle? I, I, I'm sorry, I don't have anything like witty to say in, re- in response to that. I'm just like taken aback that you said that because that's really fucked up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, and joining us also is the returning Ryan C. Showers, everybody. Hi, everyone. Oh, Ryan, it's really, really great to have you on. How are you, sir? I am doing really wonderful. For the record, Michael, uh, that's called Disenchanted. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, the reason why we say this is because Amy Adams is the one who's leading uh, HBO's show right now at the moment. It's based on a novel by Gillian Flynn. Many people will know her from Gone Girl, which she uh, wrote for the screen directed by David Fincher 20, in 2014. Uh, the story of Sharp Objects, I'm going to read a little synopsis here so people know what we're talking about. It is based on the debut novel of the same name by writer Gillian Flynn. The eight-episode series Shop Object stars Amy Adams in her first major role on the small screen as reporter Camille Preaker, who returns to her small hometown to investigate mysterious and unsolved crimes. Two girls are missing, one of whom was found dead and presumed murdered. As she searches for clues, Camille reunites with her estranged family, overbearing mother Adora, stepfather Alan, half-sister Emma, which rekindles traumatic childhood memories, including the death of her younger sister. Piercing together a psychological puzzle from her past, Camille begins to identify with the young victims a bit too closely. For the record, everyone, spoilers will be talked about in this episode. So, first four episodes in right now, let's hear the first impressions and then we'll go into some more detail why don't we start off with you, Ryan? 
So I have not found a single fault with this so far. I have been with, I've understood this show's every beat and I find it fascinating. I think the editing is some of the best editing I've ever seen film, television, whatever. Um, I think, you know, Jean-Marc Vallée, he just keeps hitting home run after home run. And I think this is practice makes perfect. And this is the best thing that he's ever done so far. Um, and, uh, I don't think this tops American hustle or arrival for Amy Adams, but it's certainly among her best work. And I think this show is going to be a force to be reckoned with. And, uh, especially as we get closer to the conclusion, um, I think what will benefit this show is everyone going back and watching it from the beginning after we know where we're going. Well, yeah, I can understand that because of the spliced images within the editing that you're speaking of. There's a lot of that throughout the first four episodes that are either, well, for for those of us who have not read the novel, unlike Ryan, flash flashbacks, flash forwards, I don't know. Dream sequences, you know, it's 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 very it's very up in the air so far. So Definitely very, very excited to see where it goes from here because it definitely is a slow burn of a show. That's for sure. Michael, how about you? What are your initial thoughts so far in the first four episodes? You know, Ryan and I tend to agree on entertainment a lot. We tend to have similar interests, like the same actors and actresses. And this was a show I was really highly anticipating. In fact, it was actually my idea to do an episode like this because I thought this was going to be some great HBO series. And I have to say, I cannot remember the last time I've been so disappointed by a show. I think this is just as dull as television can get, which is so ironic for a show called Sharp Objects. The performances are like stiffer than Tennessee Williams Dinner Theater. It is cliche after cliche of like murder mystery trope. And just nothing about the show is clicking for me. We're halfway through. Maybe there's going to be some huge turnaround in episodes five through eight. But I am just not feeling the show at all. Okay, now, Ryan, before you retort, um, I'll give my two cents here. Because I actually share sentiments of both of you. I definitely recognize that this is a slow burn show. I recognize that we are halfway through and that there are four more episodes left. I am still waiting for the hammer to drop with this show. I thought it would have happened by at least episode three, because traditionally you have your first episode that introduces the character, introduces the setting, introduces the story, and so on and so forth. Second episode, typically speaking, it's usually a continuation of the first episode. It's not really as exciting. There's no real like major development. It's usually about introducing side supporting characters and kind of fleshing things out maybe a little bit more. So I expected the second episode to be a little bit of a dip. Third episode was where I was thinking to myself, okay, things are going to start picking up now. Things are going to start picking up. I don't even know what that means exactly for a show such as this. But to Ryan's points that he said... I was admiring the craft a lot. I was admiring the editing. I really, really, really am into the performances so far. The cryptic nature of the writing is starting to get on my nerves a little bit because now, like I said, when we get to like episode four and now I'm like in a mode of, all right, I really, really want to know what this is building up to at this point because God help me, like to Michael's point, it is starting to become dull and uh, Ryan, I mean, I know that you're probably gonna say that this is leading to something, and 
man, if, if, if that payoff is not worth it, I, I might have to side fully with Michael in the end, craft performances or not. I'm confident that whenever the payoff comes, you both will at least like from the payoff on. Oh, so there, oh, so there's more beyond whatever reveal they're building up to is what you're saying. Yeah, there is a big, um, yes. The, so um, Gillian Flynn described this as um, she wrote the murder mystery around a character study. And so maybe that's a problem that um, should be addressed in terms of Michael's um, saying, or I, one of you who just said that it brings out every murder mystery trope um, in the book. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, and we haven't really gotten into Camille's, um, the, the depth of her character yet. We're starting to, especially in this past episode with Christmas Cena in the woods, we're slowly getting there. And, um, but once we get deeper into it, it's going to be really intense. And then once the big payoff comes, it's going to, it's going to gel like, like, like anything you would, would ever, ever imagine. Well, let me ask you this question. Is it typical? Because I'm, I'm expect and I don't, you know what? I'll tell you what, I don't want you to reveal it to me. Okay. No, I'm not. Okay. But is it like, okay. So we see that she's an alcoholic. We see that she is, um, definitely repressing, a lot of emotions and feelings from her past for sure we mm-hmm. also see that she has uh hurt herself on a number of occasions in dealing with those uh memories as well and there's not just one thing you know obviously the story starts off with the death of her sister but as the episodes have progressed we see that there's more trauma that she's experienced in her life than just that and I do have a couple of questions because there are some things that are a little unclear to me that hopefully you can clear up. Okay. But I really just hope that this isn't just some sort of a reveal of she was sexually assaulted. She had all these really terrible things happen to her. And, you know, this is really awful. And her performance kind of like becomes manic and really hysterical. And, you know, Amy Adams really like goes for broke in the... The, the loony bin of crazy, you know, kind of acting style. You know what I mean? Or something like that. No. Okay. All right. It's, good. I would, I would anticipate that her acting style is going to remain similar to what we've seen. I think it's going to, um, it's going to become a little heightened and there's going to be more emotions, but it's not going to be a manic thing. So it's, so it's really about, it's really about gaining audience empathy is what you're saying. Right. And these things that happened to her in her past that have been slowly revealed, slowly hinted at, um, they they culminate to tie in with um, the reveal of the murder mystery, and um, it's it's very powerful and it's very exciting actually. And I'm really surprised, knowing what I know about the sh- the book and the story, I'm really surprised that more people haven't put it together because to me it is so obvious where we're going. Well, obviously, you read the book, <laughs> but no, I mean like even if I weren't watched, even if I hadn't read the book, I would know where we're going. But just like for perspective, I don't know about okay? That. I'm sorry, that may sound patronizing. I didn't mean it to. I don't know if you could say that since you've read the book. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, Michael. I mean, maybe you don't care. I don't know, but like, do you have an idea of where this is heading? You know, I had this thought in my head the other the other day that I'm not even gonna really express here on the podcast because maybe it could be the actual twist oh yeah but, right <laughs> so i don't want to like risk like that's like that's like someone. me saying that i've probably have said the ending to game of thrones at least 17 times in my life i just don't know it yeah. 
So I'm not even going to go there. Uh, no, but aside from that one silly thought, I don't have any idea where this is going. And that could be a good thing. I will say the end of episode four did get me intrigued. Good. So that's something. I, I will admit to that as well. I, I did feel that it opened up a door into another avenue of like another path towards her psyche that you know definitely you could see that in the performance and the way that um it is written and how jean-marc valet uh directs amy adams so can i just say um okay so think about gone girl not to make an obvious comparison okay but think about the way that like the first half of that movie is very generic and very um uh, very typical sure. and very yeah, I get so that. and then how we get the, the twist about amy being alive and then um you know the the twist with no patrick harris and then her coming back to him and so forth and so forth See, that's i'm kind waiting of how, for the show to get to that point is basically where i'm at right now yeah but even the first 40 minutes of gone girl i felt were interesting um that could that could be because of david fincher's direction uh the intriguing aspect of you know the mystery itself i i will say for the record there is something to be said for watching a two and a half hour movie in one sitting and being wrapped up in that mystery versus mm -hmm. sitting down for 50 minutes and then having to take a six day break in between. Yes. Um, and I could see how that would cause maybe a bit of a disconnect with people. Whereas like me, for instance, I watched the first episode the night it premiered and then I made the decision I was going to binge watch uh, the next three episodes right before we did this show. And watching all three of those episodes in such a short uh, period of time like that, I definitely think has helped me a little bit more. Whereas I feel like if I was watching this week by week, um, I would be maybe even more frustrated than I am now. So I, I think that's a very valid point. And I was actually comparing this um, to Wild, you know, Jean-Marc Follet's um, outing with Reese Witherspoon, which, by the way, was my editing winner of that year. So it makes total sense that he is in his element doing this with sharp objects. Um, but I was thinking about that and the way that the, the memories are interwoven into that story and how, if we were watching it in, if we were watching wild, the movie in 15 minute settings, you know, every week it would get boring. We would, you know, I, I, I get your frustration. Um, I just don't know what the, what the resolution is or what it, mm -hmm. what they could have done better because I am, I, I don't, I don't know what, like we're watching. I feel like we're like on two different plans. Like I'm so invested. Like I'm not on my phone. I'm not on my iPad. Yeah. I'm like loving every second of this stuff. Well, I think, I think there's something to be said too, like you said, because of, uh, of having read the book before too, and seeing those characters that you remember imagining your head come on the screen and so on. So I, I, I could see how that's a part of it, but I can also see too, um, you know, the other part of it, you know, like I, like we were saying before about the way Jean-Marc Vallée, like his, I, I have to say, even going back to his previous show, like uh, Big Little Lies, um, which was, I believe, the first time I experienced uh, Jean-Marc Vallée on the small television screen, I was really, really, really taken aback and really surprised at how his directorial style translated to television and how consistent it is across mm -hmm. um each episode it, like each episode doesn't feel like its own unique thing it just feels like a part of the story because of how consistent he is are you saying that about big little lies or sharp objects or both i'm saying that about both i i think that okay. that translates over to sharp objects each time i've watched an episode of sharp objects i actually and maybe this is because i have binged it 
I can't like tell you point blank. Oh, episode four was the episode where this happened or episode three. That was the episode that was known for this quote unquote. To me, it all feels like one story just being played out over different parts. And I actually do like that method of storytelling uh, the most. I think a lot of times, especially when you have um, television shows where you have multiple directors over the course of a season, I I like to think of it like True Detective Season 1 versus True Detective Season 2, where Corey Fukunaga uh, directed the first uh, season, all eight episodes himself. Mm-hmm. And then the second season had multiple directors, but each episode felt disjointed from the one that came before because it was a new director. It was a new shooting style. It was like there were things that were different about each episode. I think that like Sharp Objects is more uniform in the in the sense that you're talking about than Big Little Lies was or True Detective. I think it's the most uniform, the most, it's like yeah. each time, like, you know, each time we do another miniseries and, and I'm talking true detective season one, to be clear. Um, uh, like each time they do it, it seems like HBO is just learning how to do it better. And like technically storytelling wise, maintaining the same tone and rhythm. I think sharp objects is completely uniform. And as you said, it's one of it. That's one of the best strengths about it. Like, I feel like I'm watching a big movie and I think, in retrospect, when the show ends, and if some of us choose to go back and watch it again, I think it will crystallize more. Michael, let me ask you this question. Even if they do stick the landing and everything does make sense, like when it's over and it actually like ends awesomely, could you see yourself going back and rewatching it? You know, I usually don't even go back to watch things that I really like. Mm-hmm. So okay, maybe that's, I would that's think fair. about it differently in my mind, but I can't see myself committing another four hours to what we've seen already sure all right well well, so who knows maybe the last four hours maybe because i know that for me um i don't go back and rewatch series either um miniseries i'm referring to i typically tend to go back and rewatch the episode that had the cool set piece or big reveal of the dramatic moment or something that made me remember that particular episode of that miniseries so far for me Sharp Objects hasn't given me that scene yet. Unless if, Ryan, you want to put forth a contender or two to say, like, well, what about, like, you know, what about this scene or what about this moment and so on and so forth? Because I don't think Sharp Objects has had that defining moment yet. I think the one thing that everybody remembers the most about the show so far is the end of the first episode when you realize that she has all the scars all over her body. So can we talk about the scars for a minute? Sure. Okay. Hey, everyone. Sorry to interrupt, but this is the preview of our full podcast for our review of the first four episodes of HBO's Sharp Objects. In order to get the full episode, you would have to go to our Patreon page, where for $1 minimum a month, you can subscribe on there and get this along with some other exclusive podcast content. Be sure to subscribe to the Next Best Picture podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and also on CastBox. As always, I am Matt Neglia, and you can find me on social media at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening, and we shall see you all next time.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.